0: Shall we look to the Lord in prayer as we begin our service today? Our Father and our God, we come into your presence this afternoon with grateful and thankful hearts. We thank you, Father, how you have led us over these many years here in this local assembly this local body of believers, as Calvary Bible Church. You have blessed us immensely, for which we are grateful. And we come this afternoon in this special service of the installation of Pastor Rob Elliott. And Lord, we would hark that you would have full control of this service. Lord, may this day not only be a great day in the life and the history of Calvary Bible Church, but may it be a great and wonderful day, not only in our city of Nassau, but the entire country of the Bahamas. Bless, we ask that everything and all the proceedings this afternoon and we pray a special blessing on Dr. Moya as he would bring your word. Get glory for yourself, and we would be careful only to give you the praise and the honor which is due unto you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Well, here we are on this uh, blessed and happy
2: occasion. It's so good to see all of you as we participate and, and appreciate this installation service. We welcome Dr. Larry Moyer, uh, Pastors Lyle Bethel, Vaughn
1: Cash and Bryn McPhail, other invited pastors and church leaders and guests, members of the wider Body of Christ here in the Bahamas,
2: and members of the Body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church. Welcome. Thank you, Brother Ron. And now, the word of the Lord. I've chosen to read from 1 Timothy, chapter 3, first seven verses. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An officer then must be above reproach the husband of one wife. Temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine, are pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. The next passage of scripture is taken from Second Timothy. Chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing, his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke. Let me re- re- repeat that word. Rebuke. Exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myth. And then verse 5. But you, be sober in all things, and your hardship do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry this is the word of the lord
3: I see the star.
4: Thank you, B. Indeed, how Amen. great our God is to have brought us to this point Amen. and another milestone in the life and history of Calvary Bible Church. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, B. Uh, as you can see in your order program, at this particular time, uh, we had designated for Pastor Lee to uh, Pastor Emeritus to bring greetings. But due to personal circumstances, he's had to travel and he's not able to be here with us. But he has sent some greetings and I will re- read this, read it at this time if you'd like to listen. And it reads as follows. Greetings, beloved members of the incredible body of Christ at Calvary Bible Church. Nancy and I truly regret and profusely apologize for being unable to attend this blessed and most significant occasion. However, long prearranged plans make it impossible for me to do so, and Nancy, because of illness. We lovingly, enthusiastically, and joyously welcome Pastor Elliot and his family as members of the incredible family of Christ here at Calvary. We hereby publicly and happily pledge to serve under his leadership as a symbol of our submission to Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd of his holy, of, of his incredible body, as we know you will do as well. I implore you to take heed to the word of our chief shepherd when he said, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. That's taken from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Of course, we all know and acknowledge this obedience is biblically modified with as they obey Christ. My prayer for you and for us is that Pastor Rob will, as a result of your obedience to the Lord, serve with unspeakable joy and we will profit unmeasurably (laughs) from his spirit-empowered ministry among us. Nancy and I love and deeply, Nancy and I love you and deeply, Nancy and I love you deeply and will always cherish our time of service among and with you. And so with deep humility, a thankful heart and much gratitude to our triune God, I gladly pass the baton of spiritual leadership of this amazing, incredible body to senior pastor teacher, Rob Elliott. As always, this is Senior Pastor Emeritus and Mrs. Lee saying, and please say it with me, Selah, think and act on these things, amen. So let us, let us always keep Pastor Lee and Sister Nancy in our prayers for sure. We do appreciate his ministry here, having served for 21 wonderful, spiritful years here at Calvary Bible Church. And at this time, We'll have greetings being brought by the following uh, pastors, visiting pastors. We have first Pastor Lyle Bethel from Grace Community Church, followed by Pastor Vaughn Cash from Evangelistic Temple, and then Reverend Bryn McPhail from St. Andrew's Presbyterian Kirk in that order. Please welcome.
5: Church, please excuse me. I had my tie in the car. I had forgotten that I had agreed to be on the program. And I am so grateful I stopped by the office to get my jacket because I really was going to be embarrassed standing up here. Um, But it is a great pleasure. I I have watched with bated breath as Calvary Bible Church looked and prayed and tried to make a determination and a decision as to where God was leading you. I prayed along with you. Some of you would be fighting this out for the first time, but I would be in constant dialogue with the leadership. Um, I think I probably nagged uh, a number of them to death. Uh, what's going on? Uh, when are we going to know something? Who who are you looking at? And I prayed along with you. And so when the news came, Pastor Elliot, and I did all my research on you, I, I kind of halfway own this church. Um... <laughs> And I'm terribly excited. You're a man of great credentials. You're following a man who is my spiritual mentor. Um, I knew a lot about Pastor Lee before I ever met him. And um, he is a a a mentor, a colleague in ministry, um, a dear friend. And he has given you, as you've heard, his glowing endorsement, and you have mine. Sir, welcome to the Bahamas. I believe that we will become fast friends as well. I offer myself and our congregation to you. We will hold up your hands as Joshua and Caleb held up the hands of, of of Moses. You you serve a great body of believers. I had the privilege of meeting you and your wife the other day right across the road at at um Evangelistic uh, Temple. You're going to hear a bit from their pastor in just a minute. But welcome to the Bahamas. And anything and everything we can do to support you, we will. You have a wonderful congregation. I do not believe they're going to give you any trouble. Um if they do, let me know. I don't know what I'll be able to do except for <laughs> pray. But I believe that you are going to God has given you the privilege to pastor a great church and um and we look forward to serving with you together. And by the way, I believe, Pastor Moyer, we were the first to bring you into this country, am I correct? Grace Community Church. Didn't we bring you in like about a ton of years ago? Wasn't too long ago. But uh, I'm I'm eager to hear you again, and uh we look forward to celebrating with the great Calvary Bible Church, as God takes you to another level and accomplishes great things through you. God bless you. God keep you. Again, I apologize. I I feel terrible. Y'all won't hold this against me, will you? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you all.
6: (laughs) I told Pastor Lyle all he had to do was ask. His blue shirt matches my... (laughs) blue tie. Good afternoon to everybody.
0: Uh,
6: Let me first of all say how excited I am to be back in my home church of many years. (laughs) Amen. And I am proud to say that this is the church that taught me about Jesus Christ when I was a little boy, the church that introduced me to ministry and the church where I met my wife of almost 33 years now, (laughs) sitting right in the second row over there where Pastor Tommy and those are sitting. And uh, so it's a joy for me uh, to be back here again in this fine assembly. Now I first saw Pastor Rob at the IANA Missions Conference that we had the honor of hosting last month, but didn't have an opportunity to say anything to him, And then a few weeks ago, on my way home, I decided to stop into Golden Buddha. You all know about Golden Buddha? <laughs> they used to be your neighbor for, for many years. So I to stop, decided to stop in there and grab a bite to eat on my way home. And as I walked in the door, uh, I kind of saw out of the corner of my eye a gentleman sitting over there to the table. Now there's only one table in the new Golden Buddha. And uh, I didn't pay much attention to who was sitting there. I just wanted to grab me something to eat and get out of there and uh get home. But after placing my order and I turned to to sit down and wait for the order to be prepared, the guy who was sitting at the table walked up to me before I was able to sit down and said, "Pass the cash! <laughs> Pastor Rob, Calvary Bible Church!" And I said, "Oh my goodness." What a privilege and an opportunity because I didn't have a chance to meet him up close and personal. So, Capri Bible, let me say to you today, any pastor that is willing to sit in Golden Buddha and eat one-ton soup in the middle of the community, that's a good pastor. I think you've made a good choice. Now, that doesn't sound as spiritual as Pastor Lyle, what Pastor, you know, Pastor Lyle had to say. But uh, that was quite impressive. Uh, it shows me that uh, he's a man that's prepared to, to be in the community, to be among the people. And of course, that's where the impact is going to be. And so, Pastor Rob and Sister Elliot, let me also welcome you to the Bahamas. Welcome you to my, i got to be careful how I say this now because I don't want to get myself in no trouble, my uh, former home church. <laughs> And uh, of course, we are only a stone's throw away. Like Pastor Lyle, if there's anything I can do to assist you or we can do to assist you at Evangelistic Temple, please, it's an open door, we'd love to. And uh, we're also looking forward to sharing some fellowship with you. And so on behalf of the pastors, the board of deacons, the ministers, and the membership of Evangelistic Temple. Welcome to the Bahamas, and we wish you Godspeed and God's best in your pastoral ministry.
2: Amen.
7: Good afternoon. I've been asked to bring greetings on behalf of St. Andrews Kirk, But before I do that, I have to make what is an obvious connection that maybe not everyone realizes, but the Bahamas is making a habit of calling Canadian pastors. (laughs) Five years ago, I moved my family from Toronto, Canada, to be the pastor at St. Andrew's Kirk, and Not quite five years later, Calvary Bible Church is calling another Canadian, although I see, Pastor Rob, you're now also American. We have a few things in common, and I'm sure if if once once I have a chance to get to know Pastor Rob, there's going to be a lot of common connections. Uh, But we went to the same university, University of Toronto, although I was in grade four when you graduated. (laughs) So we, we didn't quite overlap there. Uh, We we cheer for the same hockey team. I thought I was the only pastor in this country passionate about hockey. Now there's at least two of us. So while your other colleagues offer spiritual friendship and support, if you want someone to watch the hockey game with, I'll give you my number. On a more serious note, and, and these names won't mean anything to anyone but Pastor Rob. But I did my research as Lyle did, but I'm a little lazier than Pastor Lyle, so I just did my research only on Facebook. Whatever your Facebook page told me, that's all I got. But I looked up what mutual, what friends we had in common. And it was a short list of men, colleagues, that we had in common, but these are some of the men who had the greatest influence on my Christian walk. So I see your friends with Pastor Mike Williams, Mike Wilkins, Pastor John McCauley, Pastor Kerry Newhoff, Dr. Michael Haken, and Pastor Jeff Loach. All of those men in various ways have had a huge impact on my life. And so if you can judge a person's character by the company they keep, then you've got a man of great character and one whose heart is obviously set for the Lord. I want to bring greetings on behalf of my congregation. Uh, My leadership met recently, and we talked about uh, we get all kinds of invitations, as I'm sure Calvary does and as you have already, to attend certain functions and to partner in certain ministries. And it's sometimes hard to sort out who to do what with. And so I suggested that the ingredients for spiritual collaboration should be, one, uh, theological similarities, that you believe the same things about God and his mission to the world, but two, physical proximity, that you minister to the same people in the same region. And as I have tracked with Calvary Bible Church during my time here, I think we've got both ingredients in place. St. Andrew's Kirk is not that far away. You cover some of the same neighborhoods we're seeking to minister to. And as you track with Pastor Alistair Begg, John MacArthur, Joe Stoll, uh, those are all pastors uh, that we track with and take our leads from. So uh, I think we've got a kindred spirit, pastor to pastor, Canadian to Canadian, and St. Andrews Kirk Calgary, Calvary Bible Church. Thank you.
8: Good afternoon, church. Now, several of the pastors that I was supposed to recognize, uh, Brother Ron has already recognized, Pastor Lyle, Pastor Vaughn, and the Reverend Bryn. Pastor Vaughn, I have to say this. It's good to have you back home, (laughs) visiting, visiting, visiting. And his dear wife, Wendy, is with him as well. But there's several other pastors that I'd like to recognize that's From Blue Hill Gospel Chapel, we have Pastor Perry Wallace. From E Street Gospel Chapel, we have Pastor Bradley King. And from Temple Baptist Church, we have Pastor Jeff Wood. It's good to have all of you pastors in the service with us today. Now, it's good to have two Canadian pastors in the service with us today as well. Yes, very much so. I worked at the Royal Bank for quite a while. (laughs) <laughs> I'm wondering though Are there other pastors visiting today And I didn't call your name Would you please stand Give us the name, your name And the church you are with Please Ed, Oh Pastor Ed Good to have you with us you. Pastor Marcel Way back That's Rex Major. Oh, hello. (laughs) Good to have you with us, Pastor Rex. Anyway, I don't think there's anybody else, but it's good to have you in the service with us today.
9: And all the sights I saw But I said
10: be to the Son of God. Only he he is worthy. I just want to spend a brief time talking about the headship of the church. And I'll go into a bit of plurality of leadership. But um, this is very relevant, Pastor Cash, because as you were speaking about your former Association of Calvary, and you meeting your wife at Calvary Bible Church, the one comment that I can think of is, burdens are still lifted at Calvary. (laughs) Amen. At this time, I just wish to draw your attention to 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. As pastors of Calvary Bible Church, we acknowledge, and as all believers should, that Christ is our head, and we willingly submit to him as our head, and indeed, as he is the head of his church. At Calvary, our church government employs plurality of leadership among the pastors, much as was common in the early church, and in accordance with the instructions given by Paul to Titus in Titus 1.5, where he said, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Notice the plural form Renan used in connection with the elders. Pastor Elliot is being installed as the senior pastor at Calvary Bible Church and he thus joins the existing pastors in leading this local assembly under the headship of Christ. This in no way is an indication that any of our pastors are lesser or greater than the other, or there's a lack of equality, but it does indicate our submission to each other as we all submit to Jesus Christ. The most beautiful analogy of this is Jesus Christ's relationship with the Father, as he himself stated in John 10, 30, that I and the Father are one. It's indicated equality. However, he willingly submitted to the Father in order to carry out the divine plan. We, the pastors of Calvary Bible Church, welcome Pastor Elliot in joining our number as we, under the absolute headship of our Lord and Savior, submit to one another as we serve his body in this local assembly, all for the honor and glory of our God.
11: Good afternoon, everyone. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, it says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. And according to King James Version, it says, that the one, I am the one who was, I am also the one who is, and I am the one to come, the Almighty. We've had a wonderful time this morning with our guest speaker for this evening, for this afternoon, uh, Dr. Moyer, and we had an introduction for Dr. Moyer by a very eloquent one, Pastor Rob Elliott. And I notice that is in the bulletin that you also have a biography of the guest speaker. So I will not reread that for you because most of you already read it. But I'm asking you: Would you give me some permission to condense it for you? Since Jesus said in Revelation 1:8 that He was, He is, and He will come again, please allow me to talk about our guest speaker. I'll tell you what he was, I'll tell you what he is, and I'll tell you he will come <laughs> in a few minutes. Well, the first thing to tell you what he was Dr. Moyer was born twice once as an American in Pennsylvania, and secondly as a child of God by the grace of God. He was an interim pastor on at least two occasions. He was a recipient of academic degrees from Philadelphia Bible University, Dallas Theological Seminary, and Gordon-Conwell Seminary. He was the founder of Evantel Ministry, committed to the studying of scriptures carefully and presenting the gospel clearly. He was the special guest speaker across the United States on more than 60 foreign locations. That's a little bit about who he was. Dr. Moyer is an evangelist speaker for Evangel's Operation Friendship and Wild Game Feast. In other words, a guest speaker like outdoors, and he likes to hunt. Jesus said, "I'll make you fishes of men." Well, he hunts men for the gospel. Both of which of these two that I mentioned before are targeted at those who are non-Christian. He is also the author of. Several literary work on evangelism, and he's well known for his ability to express his thoughts in a clear, and we learned this morning, repetitious and relevant manner. What a gift. He's also a visiting professor from time to time at the Dallas Theological Seminary. He is currently residing with his family in the suburbs of Dallas, Texas. Let me tell you a little bit about his future. What will happen? Well, At some point in the future he and his family will relocate in the future to the heavenly kingdom. And after his ministry of our Calvary Bible Church United Choir, the next voice you will hear is that of our special articulate and engaging speaker who will be our guest speaker for today. Would you please give him a round of applause in anticipation of him coming.
1: Good afternoon. It's an honor I cannot put into words to be here on such a momentous occasion as the installation of your pastor and my dear brother of almost 30 years. And it's such a privilege to have this time with you. When the committee called me about Pastor Elliot, everything I said could have been contained in two sentences. And the one was, you're going to interview one of the finest men of God I've ever been privileged to know. And secondly, behind him there's a very dear woman by the name of Beth who will always be 110% behind everything he does. I one time told Pastor Elliot, you and I have two th- one thing in common, we both married up, <laughs> way up. <laughs> and it's such a delight to be here on the occasion as he has installed as pastor. And I've known he and his dear wife for so many years and such a privilege to have this time with you. Now, as I prayed about our time together, everything I said even this morning was preliminary to what I want to say to you now. But there are two problems. First of all, there are some people here that were not able to be here this morning. And secondly, I have heard when people in the Bahamas have a good Sunday noon meal and then a good Sunday afternoon nap, they completely forget everything they learned in the morning service. And I am so terrified that may have happened, I guess I better find out. We talked about three essentials in your relationship with unbelievers. Slowly, clearly, tell me what those three essentials are. All together, all loudly, clearly, and slowly, they are? Pray, pray, properly, pray properly, live properly, and speak properly. With that in mind, I now want to talk about three essentials for a healthy church. And If you have your Bibles, may I ask you to take them and turn to Galatians chapter 6. And I'd like to start reading at the first verse. Galatians chapter 6, I'd like to start reading at verse 1. Follow me on the screen or with your Bible in front of you. I always want people to leave knowing where God sits first while I'll only repeat. Galatians 6 and verse 1 begins, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one in a spirit of gentleness. Consider yourself, let you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself be something when he has nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. That him who is taught in the word share all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap." For he who sows his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. but he who sows his spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary in doing well, for in due season we shall reap, if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. There is a fable that says that when God created earth and all that therein exists, he gave everyone and everything 50 years to live. For that reason, man was given 50 years to live. The horse was given 50 years to live. The dog was given 50 years to live. And the turtle was given 50 years to live. It was only a matter of time, though, before man became very dissatisfied. And, and he said, if I'm going to have dominion over the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, The odds are more than 50 years to live. At that time, the horse came up to the man and he said, well, I'd like to take 10 of my years and give them to you, and you can add them to the 50, which you already have, giving you a total of 60. And shortly after the dog came up to the man, he said, well, you well know. The generosity that characterizes the horse also characterizes me. I mean, after all, I am known as man's best friend. I'd like to take 10 of my years and give them to you. And you can add them to the 60 which you already have, giving you a total of 70. And right after that, the troll came up to a man and said to him, well, what the horse has done, what the dog has done, I also would like to do. I'd like to take 10 of my years, give them to you. And you can add them to the 70 which you already have, giving you a total of 80. And so as the legend goes, just for that reason, for the first 50 years of his life, man really lived the life of a man. From age of 50 to 60, he continues to work like a horse. But when he gets to the ages of 60 to 70, he begins living a dog life as only a matter of time before he is as slow as a turtle. I have to confess when I read that, I laughed just as you have. But the more I thought about it, it seems like that contains a great deal of truth. Because as a man who has traveled throughout the world, if you were to take those years and transfer them in the years of a church, you would too many times have the life story of too many churches. It seems like for the first 50 years of their existence, they really live, act, and work like a church. Christ is their master, and the Bible is their manual, and love is their motive. And for the next 10 years, they continue to work like a horse in serving the living God. But after they've been existing existence for about 60 years, it seems sometime they begin acting like the Christian life and the church life is some kind of a dog's life. And it's only a matter of time when it comes to reaching the lost and building up the believers. They are as slow as a turtle. Because too many times the church that touches the community becomes the church that is touched by the community. And instead of being dynamically used by God, they are detrimentally used by Satan. And instead of generating light to the people outside, they generate heat to the people inside. For as it's been said, the church that Satan's prime delight is the one that generates more heat than light. And it's interesting after Paul ministered in the age of Minor, some Judaizers came along and said that he's preaching a false gospel. That along with Christ, you also had to keep the ceremonial laws and you have to observe certain feasts and festivals. And their gospel is not a gospel of Christ, period, but a gospel of Christ plus. But it's interesting when they tend to be drawn apart by people from the outside, Paul urged the people in the church to draw closer on the inside. Because the secret to external attacks is always internal attachments. And for that reason, he talks about three essentials for a healthy church. And those three essentials determine whether Calvary Bible Church will have a future, or sad to say one day, a funeral. You say, but Larry, why are you speaking this at a pastor installation service? It's for two reasons. Because first of all, as someone had a long time history with your church, and when a church has been existing for 52 years, I want you to continue to work like a horse in touching the community for Christ. And the second reason is, I do not believe a pastor installation service is simply about the installation of a pastor. I'm convinced it's about the recommitment of the people. Because great pastors do not produce great churches. Great churches produce great pastors. Because if this church is a church God wants it to be, it'll cause my pastor Elliot, my friend, my pastor Elliot, to grow and blossom in a way he never, ever thought he could and his preaching and leadership skills increase. But in order for that to happen, there are three essential for a happy church, for a healthy church, and all of them have to do with people. Because the church is first and foremost, not about buildings, not about programs, it's about people. And the first century he gives has to do with a person who goes astray in his Christian walk. Because the first thing he says is, care for the one who's sinning. And look what he says in verse one. Brethren, if anyone be overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritually restore someone in a spirit of gentleness, consider yourself that you also be tempted. Now, by talking about someone overcoming a sin, he's not talking about willful sin, but someone who very unexpectedly and very foolishly falls into sin. One time there was a businessman friend of mine who had his daughter come to the office, and she went to use the restroom. When she came out, he knew what she had forgotten. So he said to her, honey, what did you forget? She said, I forgot to wash my hands. And then she said to him, you know why, daddy? He said, no, why? And she says, because I ain't perfect. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is that people in the church are not perfect. And therefore, there are those who are going to foolishly and very unexpectedly fall into sin. It may have to do with doctrine. It may have to do with conduct. It may be something related to one area of such as alcohol or another area related to the daughtery. But he says, care for the one who's sinning. And so much so that he says what to do and then how to do it. He said in verse 1, if anyone be overtaken any trespass, you are spiritual. Now, notice he does not say you who think you're spiritual. He said you are spiritual because it's important to be walking in that way yourself because an ounce of illustration is worth far more than a ton of talk. He said you are spiritual. Restore such a one. And that word restore is used of the mending of a joint. It's the same word used in Matthew 4.21 for the mending of a net. In other words, your job is always to heal, it's never to humiliate. Your job is to make him as good, as new, as again, as you care for the one who's sinning. But in having said what to do, he says how to do it. Because sometimes we are part of the problem. One time a woman heard her one son crying in end, and she walked outside, and sure enough, there he stood, bawling his head off. And so she looked at his brother who was standing right next to him. She said, why is your brother crying? He said, I don't know. I'm just eating my dessert, and I won't give him any. <laughs> and she said, was his own finished? He said, yeah. And he cried when I ate that, too. <laughs> and so many times, we become part of the problem. And that's why he says in verse 1, you are spiritually restore such one, in a spirit of gentleness. That word gentleness means meekness. It means humility. It means being considerate. With an attitude that says, but for the grace of God, there be I. Because today, you might be talking to him. But next month, he might be talking to you. And therefore, you have to care for the one who's sinning. There are some armies of the world that when a man is dishonorably discharged, the way they deal with it is to read aloud before everybody else what he's done. Then have him pass by the troops. And when he passes by the troops, everyone turns to him in about face so that he only sees their back and never sees their face. He is saying, you are not in any army of the world. You're in the army of God. When somebody sins, don't turn your back to him. Turn your face towards him and care for the one who's sinning. And Pastor Adia, I encourage you as you lead this congregation, lead a congregation who knows how to care for the one who's sinning, who knows how to be on their team, not on their back. And I urge you as a congregation, care for the one who's sinning. That when someone very foolishly and unexpectedly falls into sin, don't respond with callousness. Instead, respond with caring. Care for the one who's sinning. But not only do you have sometimes someone who falls into sin they did not expect to, but sometimes you have someone who all of a sudden has burdens they never expected to have. So having said care for the one who's sinning, he says, bear with the one who's burdened. And notice he says in verse 2, bear one of burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, by that, he doesn't mean you have to remove all the problems from each other's lives. Because this side of heaven, our life will always be filled with one problem after another. In fact, reader Digest told about a man that every night he came home from work. As soon as he hit the door, his wife would have hit him with of the calamities of the day. One night he said to her, honey, before you hit me with everything that's gone wrong, could you at least let me sit down and enjoy a good, nice meal? And the next night, as soon as he walked in the door, his wife looked at her and said, honey, hurry up and eat. I have something terrible to tell you. (laughs) But instead, by the word burden, he's referring to something that's overbearing. Something that's about to tear him down. Something he feels he just cannot bear alone. One of the worst difficulties he's ever had. It may be due to a past sin or maybe due to a present sickness. It may be a problem with his marriage or a problem with his money. It may be a problem at work or a problem at home. But he said, and he said, bear with the one who's burdened. Don't just take his name and pray for him. Don't sit around the table and talk about how unfortunate he is. Take some of that burden that person has and place them upon your shoulders. If you know anything about the geese that fly in a formation, you know that in the winter they fly from north to south, then they spring from south to north, and they do it in a formation. So that the one bird flying ahead will make it easier for the bird flying behind because it provides an uplift for the wind, and therefore they don't have to bear the weight of the wind alone. He's saying the body of Christ act like a bunch of geese. Bear the burdens of one another. Be a burden-bearing people. But then exhort what tells them what keeps us from doing that. And that is a problem of pride. Because too many times, like the politician who is flying with members of his campaign staff in a small plane, all of a sudden he said, I think I'll drop a $50 bill out of this plane, make somebody down there happy. Members his campaign staff said, why don't you drop out five $10 bills, make five people happy. Another member's campaign say I said, why don't you drop out 10 dollars bills, make 10 people happy? Another member's campaign say I said, why don't you drop out 51 bills, make 50 people happy? Another member's campaign say I said, why don't you jump out yourself and make everybody happy? <laughs> and what often keeps us from bearing the burdens of one another is a problem of pride. And that's why he says in verse three, if anyone thinks himself be something he's nothing, he deceives himself. As simply as I know how to put it, what he's saying is, if you think you're hot, you're not. <laughs> Someone has said the smallest package in the world is a man who's all wrapped up in himself. And for that reason, he gives a challenge and a command. He says in verse five, verse four, that each one examine his own work and then will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Each one shall bear his own load. So many kind, what keeps us from helping a brother is we compare ourselves to one another. And keeps us from bearing his burdens. Instead, he's saying, take a rightful look at yourself. You'll find out you're gifted and raised, they're not. They're gifted and raised, you're not. You have strength, they don't. And they have strength, you don't. And that's important. Because in the body of Christ, each one of us has to bear our own load. And having that rightful view of yourself, you will then be able to bear the burdens of one another. And you'll be able to be a burden-bearing person. It's interesting to me that as you cross the bridge in the Atlantis, it doesn't matter what vehicle crosses that bridge, every single supporting beam underneath that bridge has to bear the load. And it doesn't matter what person in the church faces a burden that's about to overwhelm him. He's saying everyone in the church has to bear the load. Be a burden-bearing people. And I challenge you, Pastor L.D., as you lead this congregation, take the burdens of your people. And place them upon your shoulders. Be a burden-bearing pastor. But I encourage you as a congregation to realize that just as you have burdens that overwhelm you, your pastor and his wife are going to have burdens that overwhelm them. And take some of their burdens and place them on your shoulders. Be a burden-bearing people. But the church is not just about sharing, not just about caring, not just about bearing. It's also about sharing. So having said, care for the one who's sitting, and bear for the one who's burdened, he now says, share with the one who's teaching. And he says in verse 7, in verse 6, that him who is taught in the word, share all good things with the one who did the teaching. He's saying the same thing it says in 1 Timothy 5.18, a labor is worthy of his hire. And by sharing, he means everything useful, not just food or finances, but everything useful. In the church, we are not to have the attitude, you steal from my basket, I'll steal from yours. Instead, we all have the attitude, you share from my basket, you share from your basket, and I'll share from yours. And we are to be channeled for sharing, not cistern for storing. And a pastor, as he stands before you, as Pastor Elliot will, has a tremendous responsibility. God has not promised to bless his words. He promised as God's word. And so he is a man, be a man of prayer, and be a man who studies the word. So when he stands before you, he shared with you what God had shared with him. But just as he has responsibility for what he shared with you, you also have responsibility for what you share with him. And you are to share with the one who's teaching. When I started the ministry in nineteen seventy three, I was in Illinois, and two boys came up here one night and said, We went out today and sold lemonade for five cents a glass, and we earned a dollar and a half. We found out the offering tonight is for you, so we're putting it in the offering plate. Because Dad told us that since you have ministered to our family, we've got a responsibility to minister to yours. And this day is the best dollar and a half I ever got. And he's saying, share it with the one who's teaching. Now, I recognize, and the reason he said that, is when a person gives himself so faithfully to the word, he has to be compensated because he spends so much time in prayer and study that's consuming his hours. By saying, just as he shared with you, you share with him. Now, I recognize there are men in the ministry today who teach the word. They're simply greedy and after money. In fact, I love the story of the woman who was flying in a plane. The pastor was by her side. And all of a sudden, they discovered turbulent weather, and the plane shook to no end. And she looked at him and she said, well, you're a pastor. Do something. And so he stood up and took up an offering. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, the sad thing is, there are those who have to struggle to make ends meet. And when 5,000 men were interviewed as to why they left the ministry, the number one response was, I just get tired of seeing ends meet. But please, again, don't think in terms of simply finances. Be a sharing people. There may be a dish of food if Beth is ill, or maybe a place to unwind when the pressures build. But just as he shares with you, be a group of people who in turn share with him and share with the one who teaches. He says a healthy church is one who cares for one who's sitting, bears with the one who's burdened, and shares with the one who's teaching. And having said that, he gives a powerful PS because he says in verse seven, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he shall also reap. Lays out a lays a baseable principle of farming, that what you plant is also what you produce, because you always reap what you sow. One time there were two farmers that so hated one another, and they were farmers, were so back to back to each other on the farm. And so one night a father and his son crept over the fence in the borderline, and sowed some of the wildest grass seed a farmer would ever want. A seed that no farmer wants on his farm, but takes over the farm quickly. And sure enough, that's what it did. Well, it turned out that the man and his son, who had sowed the best seed, the man got older and he eventually died. And when you know it, the son fell in love with the daughter of the neighboring farmer. And when her dad died, he inherited the farm where he had sown all the bad seed. You always reap what you sow. And that's why he said in verse 8, He who sows the flesh, will the flesh reap corruption. He who sows the spirit, will the spirit reap everlasting life. Please understand, he is not saying you work your way to heaven. He's using everlasting life in terms of eternal reward. And he's saying if you sow the flesh, you reap a very divisive, uncaring, and selfish spirit. If you sow to the spirit, by caring for the one who's sinning, bearing with the one who's burdened, and sharing with the one who's teaching, you'll reap eternal reward when you stand before the king. And that's why he said in verse 9, Let us not go weary in doing good, for in due season we'll reap if we faint not. That word weary means to come to the point you feel exhausted and about to give up. He said never stop caring for the one who's sinning, never stop bearing with the one who's burdened, Never stop sharing with the one who's teaching. For in so doing you reap eternal reward. Be called diligence now. Gives dividends later. So never stop working like a horse. Sir Winston Churchill, that leader of the past, right before he died, was asked to give a commencement address at the university. He was so ill and so aged, he had to be helped on the platform, and he took a firm hold of the pulpit to stay erect. But with a trembling voice, all he said were 13 words, never give up, never give up, never give up. Never, 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 never. What Paul is saying is, never stop caring for one who's sinning, caring with one who's burdened, sharing with one who's teaching. Never, 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 never. And that's why I close verse 10 by saying, therefore the be opportunity That's the good to all, especially those of the household of faith. So many times we have the attitude to live above with those we love, oh, that will be glory. But to live below with those we love, that's another story. (laughs) Instead, he's saying you all have the attitude to live above with those we love, oh, that will be glory. And to live below with those we love, that's too an exciting story. And you care for the one who's sinning. Share with the one who's burdened and share with the one who's teaching. And what happens when you do? Acts 2.47 says it very clearly. It says they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And God added to the church deity those who would be saved. Because the church knows nothing of that, because the world knows nothing of that kind of spirit. They criticize the one who sins, they blame the one who's burdened, and they steal instead of share. So when they see a church that's caring for the one who's sinning, bearing with the one who's burdened, and sharing with the one who's teaching, they say, what in the world is making the difference? And that's when you have a chance to tell them not about what, but about who. Because he's the one making the difference. And I beg you, as a pastor who's about to leave the church, my friend, Pastor Aldia, care for that sinning brother. Bear the burdens of your people and share what God has told you. Be a caring, bearing, sharing pastor. By you as a people. Help care for the one who's sinning. Don't respond with callousness. Respond with care. Bear with the one who's burdened. Take the problem to one other that's about to melt you down and put them on your shoulders and share with the one who's teaching. You share from my basket, and I'll share from yours. Don't be systems for storing, but channels for sharing. Care with the one who's sitting. Bear with the one who's burdened. Share with the one who's teaching. And this church is going to have one of the most exciting teachers you have ever envisioned, not because what you said, but because God blessed what he said. As you care for the one who's sinning, bear with the one who's burdened, share with the one who's teaching, what are the three essentials for a healthy church? They are all together. Care for the one who's sinning, bear with the one who's burdened, share with the one who's teaching. What are the three essential for a healthy church? Care for the one who's sinning, bear with the one who's burdened, share with the one who's teaching. What are the three essentials for a healthy church? They are care with the one who's sinning, bear with the one who's burdened, share with the one who's teaching. I hate repetition. What are the three essentials for a healthy church? They are care for the one who's sinning, bear with the one who's burdened, share with the one who's teaching. One time a man was walking down the sidewalk and he passed a bookstore. And he looked in the window and he saw a book called How to Hug. And being a man given to romance, he thought it'd be an exciting book to read. And so he went to the bookstore and he purchased the book, How to Hug. When he got home, he was awfully disappointed because he found out all he had purchased was a seventh volume of a set of encyclopedias that covered everything from H-O-W-Hal to hug. hug. <laughs> Could I ask you, when people walk in this assembly, Are they going to find an encyclopedia of theology? Or are they going to find people who know how to to hug by caring for the one who's sinning, bearing with the one who's burdened, sharing with the one who's teaching? How do you hug? Care for the one who's sinning, bear with the one who's burdened, and share with the one who's teaching. Pastor Elliot, may I ask you to come before us now. Pastor Elliot, I charge you before God in this assembly, be a pastor who through your servant leadership, devouts a church who cares for the one who's sinning, bears with the one who's burdened, and shares with the one who's teaching. And so doing your fruit that will last for eternity, may I ask you to repeat with me, before God and before these witnesses.
5: Before God and before these witnesses.
1: I will seek to be a pastor who through my servant leadership.
5: I will seek to be a pastor who through my servant leadership
1: develops a church.
5: Develops a church who cares for the one who's sinning. Who cares for the one who's sinning?
1: Bears with the one who's burdened.
5: Bears with the one who is burdened.
1: And shares with the one who's teaching.
5: And shares with the one who is teaching.
1: In so doing, I'll reap fruit that will last for eternity.
5: In so doing, I will reap fruit that will last for eternity.
1: May I ask you as a congregation to stand before me right now. And I charge you before the Lord and the shepherd God has given you. Respond to his servant leadership by seeking to be a church who cares for the one who's sinning, bears for the one who's burdened, and shares for the one who's teaching. And so do on your reap fruit that will last for eternity. And I encourage you to repeat with me aloud, before God and before these witnesses, I will seek to be a member of a church who responds to the certain leadership of Pastor Elliot Elliot. by a person who helps care for the one who's sinning, bears with the one who's who's burdened, and shares with the one who's teaching. teaching. And And so doing, I will recruit that will last for eternity. Thank you, you may be seated.
12: I'd like you to pray with me. I will lead, but I'd like each one of you to pray with me.
13: The great God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one who
12: came into this sinful world to restore men to himself. We pause this evening
13: with grateful hearts, hearts of thanksgiving and praise because you saw fit to answer our prayer. We thank you, Heavenly Father, because not only have you answered prayers, but you have sent us your man servant, the one
12: who fears you, loves your word, And proclaims your word.
13: We ask their heavenly father. That you in your grace and in your mercies. That you will give the wisdom that is needed to Pastor Elliot. You know him from the inside out. We thank you for his heart. We thank you because he made himself available and he heard your call and he answered for this we are grateful. Father, I thank you and I give you praise and I do ask, oh God, that you will indeed give him the tongue that will proclaim your word from cover to cover, that you, Lord, will help him to continue to stand firm in your word, but also give him feet, I pray thee, to carry the gospel everywhere. I pray, Lord God of hosts, that you will also give him hands to carry the young lambs of this flock and that you will indeed bless him with the care that he needs. But we also pray, Father, that you will give him hands that will reach out. To the poor and the needy. Those who are. Suffering. He will be. Always ready. To meet them at the point. Of their needs. Lord I pray. That when. Trouble comes. You will hold him. With your righteous right hands. We pray O God. That when. Blessings. Comes through his ministry that you Lord God would see him and that he will bow his head and let the glory go to Calvary. We pray that you will not allow pride to come in. I ask oh God that you will straighten him from the inside out. Lord we ask that he will not forget His family. We know that his desire is to serve you. But his family come first. Lord may he always remember his wife and children. And always give them the time that they need. And not forget them in the process. Father I pray for us. As the flock.
12: That we will indeed.
13: See to it that his time here will not be burdensome. But it will be indeed a time of refreshing. That he will continue to want to go and has all that he needs to go. Knowing that he is in your divine will. And we will not only be hearers of the word. Your word, oh God, that he presents but also doers of your word. We give you praise. We give you thanksgiving. And we know that when the chief shepherd shall come, he will indeed receive the crown of righteousness that is due to him. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. For it's in the lovely name of Jesus the Christ. We pray. Amen.